This is Wired Up. With Matt Kennedy and Jerry Peralta. On KMSA 91.3. I'm confused. I'm very, very confused. Are you now? I'm very, very confused. What is this? What is an unhappy meal? What the heck? Is uh, it, what is 2019 anymore? Uh, Burger what King. is 2019 anymore? I don't understand this. There's a lot of confusion that's going to take place today. We're going on YouTube today. First episode that's going to go on YouTube. Uh, we're starting to do more stuff on Instagram, Twitter. I'll go into that for a second, but what is this? What, I can't even say... The headline because it is not. You could instead of instead of saying that you could say the mad meal. Yeah, the you, you get it for when you're mad. Hold on, Burger King. By the way, Matt Kennedy, Jared Peralta, wired up 903 FM. Came to say before they see me, Mavericks. <laughs> Give me a second on this. Matt's trying second. to comprehend this. I brought this up to him. Article <laughs> article from NBC. Burger King has launched a range of burger meals that are focused on. Quote unquote real moods. The fast food chain introduced a range of box meals and calling real meals, including the PIS, say that again, finish that sentence because I can't say it on FCC. The blue meal, the salty meal, the yas meal, and the DGAF meal, the don't give a f- meal. Definitely. As part of the Mental Health Awareness Month, Mental Health Awareness Month in May, the deal includes a Whopper sandwich, French fries, and a drink. I guess you can get a Whopper based off of what you're feeling. It, what? I don't understand. Jerry, to me, it doesn't make any sense. It's it's Appar- stupid. It's appa- really stupid. Well, apparently, <laughs> apparently, in the article that I was reading, Burger King has partnered up with Mental Health America to promote mental health awareness. Since to, since yes, May is a Whopper men- is the best way to promote it, mental health awareness. I mean, if you put it if you put it in a nice box and you, <laughs> and you call it a specific meal, yeah, sure, whatever, uh, whatever floats your whatever floats your tea, good buddy. Yeah, I I don't get it either. I'm kind. I'm kind of interested to see if the one Burger King that's here in Grand Junction is going to be partaking in this because I kind of want to go get one of those meals just to see what the box is going to be like. The ad swaps Burger King's well-known chorus "Have it your way" with "Feel your way" and takes a intimate and raw look into the reality sing, of feeling your way. Anyways, sing, sing that. Sing that slogan again. I'm not going to sing it again. Sing that slogan I'm not again. Sing it I have again. never heard Do, anybody sing. I simply your wanted. Way. I simply wanted something to come in on the show hot with, and that is. <laughs> That's what we got. Today on the show, this is a sports talk show. Let's stay on topic. Let's bring it back in. Let's reel it back in. Matt Kennedy, Jerry Peralta, Wired Up. As I already said, sports talk show. Let's get right into it. Today on the show, which NFL recently drafted quarterback will have the best rookie year slash career? Out of all the ones drafted, maybe some that weren't drafted. We'll talk about it. We're predicted. Daniel Jones, he was one of them. Is he being ridiculed too much? And does he deserve... The criticism that he's getting. It's not his fault. It's the New York Giants' fault. We'll talk about that as well. Then, to finish up the show, NBA playoffs are in full swing. Western Conference, I particularly have an interest in that due to the Never Nuggets in their semifinal series with the Portland Trailblazers, tied at 1-1 apiece. But everybody else is talking about the Rockets and the Warriors. Is James Harden changing, or more specifically, are the Houston Rockets changing the way that the NBA in the playoffs is played or officiated. We'll get into that and that series as well. Then we'll end today with our clips of the week. I can't get over it. I'm going to close off the ad. Yeah, you better from, close off that or else no. we're never going to get to the topic. I'm going to close it off real you quick. Know what? You know, I'm just going to start this topic. Which which NFL <laughs> drafted quarterback is going to have the better 
mo- better cr- rookie year. Let's look at it. There were a few. There are a lot drafted this year, a couple that were undrafted. Uh, we got the main ones, at least that we're going to possibly throw into a discussion, the ones that deserve to be in the discussion. Number one, of course, is Kyler Murray. Heisman Trophy winner taken number one overall by the Arizona Cardinals, expected to be thrown into that starting position in Phoenix. Then you have Dwayne Haskins taken by the Redskins, made way through round one. And then, and then, and then you have Daniel Jones, the prodigal son, which seems to be not wanting to come to New York. Seems like nobody wants him in New York except Dave Gettleman and the New York Giants staff. The fans want nothing to do with him. Taking number six in the first round by NYG, the most controversial pick in recent memory. Drew Locke taken number 42 by the Denver Broncos. And you have guys like Jake Browning, Jared Stidham, and Ryan Finley taken in. Not, I think Ryan Finley was taken post-draft. No, uh, he was taken in the draft by the... Texans, I believe. Oh, which one? Ryan, Ryan Finley. Finley. He, I think he got picked up by the Bengals. The Bengals. The you Bengals. Uh, Jared Stidham got picked up by the Patriots yep. in the fourth round. We'll go. He is one. He's a dark horse that I don't want to talk about. But Jerry, I want to start off with this one first. The elephant in the room. The elephant. In, no, no, no. We're gonna go. No, that's. I think I know what you're just talking about. But the, but the well, the big are, part are, of the discussion. Are we gonna talk? We want to talk about Daniel Jones. We're gonna talk about Haskins first. We're gonna get to Haskins, but oh. before we even get to that point, I want to talk about Kyler Murray because ah. he is he's the obvious pick yeah. for which quarterback is going to have the most successful rookie year. He is the most talented. He's the most prolific, and he was picked number one with very good reason. And he has yeah. a guy like Cliff Kingsbury who's going to adjust and. Who, me. who is the quarterback guru? Apparently so. Apparently. Apparently so. I would like to see this happen first. Before. I see it happening. Kyler Murray, who is the only player ever to be taken in the first round in the MLB draft, in the NFL draft, in history, in all professional sports. He was taken number one by Cliff Kingsbury and the Arizona Cardinals, despite some speculations early on. He will be starting for the Arizona Cardinals after they recently traded Josh Rosen to the Miami Dolphins <laughs> on so. day two of the draft. And so now... Kyler Murray has this chance to do something which we have not seen done in Phoenix since Kurt Warner, and that is lead the Arizona Cardinals to a Super Bowl. Yep. And Kyler Murray is having those expectations put on him with very good reason. With a guy who's drafted number one, you're the Heisman Trophy winner. You got guys to follow like Baker Mayfield, who was obviously going to be in Super Bowl contention this year. So can Kyler live up to those expectations? My confidence is in him over everybody else. I think his is going to be 100% certain he will have a successful NFL career. I have no doubt in my mind. I've Yeah. Well, okay. I say, I've seen a Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson kind of career. That's what we're seeing here. He's, he's going to have a very good career. I'm not. I'm going to give him that. I'm going to say his rookie year is probably going to be his toughest one. I'm not saying he's going to have a bad year. It's going to be his toughest one because this is an Arizona team in rebuild at the moment. You're... The offensive line isn't there. They, you still, the team is still needing to put a couple pieces together. Whether or not he's going to lead this team to playoffs in his first year is up in the air. He, the team needs to be finalized. The defense needs to be settled. The uh, offensive line. I'm needs not to, saying they're going to the Super Bowl right away. Well, I'm, no, just, no. I'm just saying, in terms of career wise, that Kyler Murray. Out of anybody else in this draft, he is a guy who can lead a team to a Super Bowl within the first five years of being drafted. Yeah, definitely. It's very, very possible. Very possible. But yeah, but the Arizona Cardinals do have many, to build the rest of the team. Yeah, there's too, the many points, there's too many factors at play for his rookie year, which makes me a little uh, hesitant with him. Yep. But I still think he's going to have a, a very good career. He's sure. going to do great. It's just 
these first couple of years for him are going to be the rough, the toughest ones. The moment, the moment this team gets put together, Arizona is going to be one is going to be up there with the Rams and the Seahawks as probably one of the top dogs in the NFC West. Give it three or four years, man. The the NFC West is going to be a prolific division again. Yeah. If it isn't already, you're going to have at least three or four teams that are going to be. Uh, the 49ers are still are still questionable right now. Yeah, they, exactly. they didn't draft well at all. I wouldn't say they didn't draft well, but you know, most you know, of the grades I've seen for their draft was like at C minuses. So, um, yeah, no, no team drafted horribly, I think. But well, yeah. actually, we'll Kyler wait. Murray, though, going back to him, I'm right can't there with you. He's going. You can't go wrong with him at. You know, in the 2018 season, 42 touchdowns, seven interceptions, a quarterback rating of 199. Pretty good for... Pretty <laughs> good. He's the best. Yeah. <laughs> he was proven to be the best. He is the best. Therefore, he will be the best out of anybody this year. No question about it. But who will succeed underneath him? Who will start this year? I think is the, more bigger, is the biggest question to go. Because a bunch of these guys are drafted right away. And they're... Kyler Murray. 100% will be a starter. Yep. Will people like Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, Jared Stidham, whatever, will they start this year? Dwayne Haskins was taken 15th overall by the Redskins, a former Buckeye, threw for 50 touchdowns and eight picks in 2018. Ugh. Are you kidding me? Ha- ha- Are you kidding me, Dwayne? Haskins this guy- is going to be a starter. I'm, I'm, I'm going to call that one now. There's no way... Uh, who's, the, who's the Redskins quarterback at the moment? Alex Smith? Case Keenum. Smith is out. Oh yeah, Case Keenum. Yeah, there's no way Case Keenum gets the start. I'm I'm saying that now. Haskins is gonna show is gonna show Washington in the preseason in the preseason like games that why he should be the starter. And Case Keenum is gonna is gonna fold under the pressure. I'm gonna I'm calling that now. Dwayne Haskins takes that starting position in Washington. Dwayne. Okay. Okay. Mr. Shanahan. Well be initiating a quarterback competition. Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins will be fighting for that spot. Haskins is coming into this season with a chip on his shoulder. This guy was within the top three of every quarterback category you could ever throw at him in terms of how the scouts were looking at this quarterback draft class. Haskins was a top guy. He should have been taken in the top 10. He fell to the 15th pick to the Redskins. They thought they were going to have to trade up for him, but instead he fell back, and you know what? Haskins said that every other team that that was drafted before him made a huge mistake. He was back to Josh Rosen last year that they made 10 mistakes before he was ended up being picked up by the Cardinals. Yeah, but, but I have more faith in Haskins than Rosen. So Haskins will be fighting for a starting spot within his first year. I don't think actually know what I do think. I agree with Jerry. I think Dwayne Haskins will be starting week one for the Redskins, but that one is still in the question. You know why? Because Dwayne Haskins only plays, he's only played two years in his collegiate career. His last year is just an awesome career. Yeah. An awesome season. You can go off of that one alone and call him an NFL starter. Will he start? I don't know. We got a long way to go mm-hmm. in this NFL season, but I can see Dwayne Haskins having a very successful career, or I can see him becoming this whole new Jamie's Winston kind of guy to where he's thrown it into a struggling team already with the Washington Redskins and then falter out based off of his attitude. But I don't think Dwayne Haskins has an attitude. He's got a chip on his shoulder, which you know what can make him that even much more the, of a threat. It's the fact that he only played two seasons. Sure. Or, in fact, he didn't even really play a full season in 2017 uh, with Ohio State. He only has one full season under belt. And with that is where that chip on the shoulder is going to come from. He needs to prove himself now. 
he needs to prove not only to the team but to himself that this is this was not the mis- this was not a mistake by the organization and myself. He has that big chip and he needs to show it. And if he gets that start, mm. it's gonna it's gonna be shown right there that he's gonna be able to stick stick with the group. Let's talk about make my fun fa- of my hand movements over there. I'm having, I'm not gonna put hand movements. I just made a notion to the camera. We're <laughs> recording on YouTube. Uh, we are going to be on YouTube now. I think I have to. I think we have to make a whole separate account for Wired Up on YouTube. We have an Instagram. We have a Twitter. Go follow the new Twitter at Wired Up KMSA. Same thing on Instagram. You can go follow us. Give us some support. Leave a comments. Uh, we'll f- probably follow you back, actually. Might as well. Probably. Anyways, and then go follow us on iTunes. Wired Up Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Go give us a follow, some reviews, and a rating. Please, we're trying to boost, boost us up in the podcasting world. But the guy that I want to talk about yeah. with very much bias we're going to bring this closer to home for you, huh? Underneath my belt. Just a couple hundred miles east of us is the Mile High City in which Drew Locke will now be calling home. The former Missouri quarterback was taken by the Broncos at number 42 in the second round of the NFL draft. Broncos traded up, drafted a couple guys back-to-back. Drew Locke was taken, I think the third, nope, third pick taken by the Broncos this year. And I think they got the best deal possible. A guy who threw 28 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and over 3,400 passing yards in his final year with Missouri, he also rushed for six TDs. Lock to me. Lock to me. And this is um, this this is an unbiased part, but I'm just going off of I like Drew Lock the most really? out of any other quarterbacks. <laughs> really? Think, You're biased? I didn't tell. I couldn't tell. No, I'm not biased. This this is an unbiased opinion, not because but this, this was before I knew the Broncos were gonna draft him. He is a Broncos guy, but this was before I had this opinion before he um before draft day. Oh. Drew Locke is the most complete quarterback. He will have the best outcome. Out of any of the NFL QBs taken in the draft this year, he will have not the you know not the most numbers, but I'm talking he's placed in the best situation. You talk about a guy like Kyler Murray who's thrown into a can I say hellhole? I can't say hellhole. I can't. Well, you can. I can't say that right away. That's what Arizona is. And then you got a guy like Dwayne Haskins, big question mark on the Redskins. The Broncos also have a big question mark above their heads. But Drew Locke, you know he can chillax for a couple of years, man. Drew, Drew. Drew will be not thrown into the walls right away. He will be nurtured under a Super Bowl MVP for the next two to three years and will be easily slid into the starting spot for Denver, who should be better in the next couple of years. That is simply just my prediction. I think that will come to fruition when the time comes. Drew Locke is looked upon as this new revival in Denver quarterbacks. I think that this is going to be a shifting point with the Denver Broncos and how they have drafted John Elway, the GM for the Denver Broncos, gave his thoughts on why he drafted the former Missouri quarterback. John, why'd you get him? You know, we're very fortunate. We didn't think he'd fall nearly this far. So, uh, you know, we liked him as a player. And, and uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, he can be a very good player in this league for a long time. And, you know, right now we'll come in. We've got a starter, starting quarterback and Joe Flacco. And so he'll be an understudy. And I'm sure, you know, learn a lot from Joe. But, uh, you know, he'll come in and, you know, he's, he's a young guy that uh, is in a situation to be able to learn and compete for the backup spot. How important? Denver Broncos YouTube channel. But here we go. Here we go. Drew Locke. Going back to my point before we just heard Mr. Elway speak. Okay. Drew Locke possibly has the best situation out of anybody else. This guy will be different. This guy will be different. The stars are aligned perfectly for Drew Locke to be the guy in Denver who they have always wanted ever since John Elway retired. Look, John, Mr. Elway, has not drafted quarterbacks well in the NFL draft ever since he took the reins several years ago. Denver has drafted guys like Paxton Lynch, Trevor Simeon, 
and Brock Osweiler. Denver has not stood by their guys, and none of their QBs that they have brought in ended up being the man who the fans in the Mile High City wanted them to be. We hated Paxton Lynch. We despised Brock Osweiler when he decided to jump ship to Houston, where he took his career and had a downfield turn. Trevor Simeon never should have been the guy to try and fill Peyton Manning's shoes. Brock Osweiler should have been that guy, but instead he jumped ship. He had the most potential out of anybody. He instead, he messed it up for himself. Maybe that would have worked. I don't know. That one had the biggest potential. But here we go with the guy like Drew Locke, who is not going to feel pressure right away. Paxton Lynch, he had one or two years underneath his belt. But now, Drew Locke has a mentorship. He has an Aaron Rodgers-type situation. I'm not comparing Joe Flacco to Brett Favre. Nor am I saying that Drew Locke will be like Aaron Rodgers, but I'm saying the situations are similar. Quarterbacks nowadays, Jerry, if they are drafted in the first or second round, these young quarterbacks are expected to be thrown into that starting position right away and do very well, a.k.a. Daniel Jones, a.k.a. Kyler Murray. Those guys were expected. They are expected to do very, very well. Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen. Daniel like, Jones, though? I don't, I, I'm going to say this now. Daniel Jones is not getting a start. Daniel Jones. We'll get into that. We'll but get, we'll, but get, we'll get into that okay. one later. But all right, I, fine, I, look, all right, fine. Look at the guys from last year. Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, uh, Baker Mayfield, and Lamar Jackson. Baker Mayfield's a bad choice, and Lamar Jackson's a bad choice because both of them didn't start the season. They did eventually get the starting spot, and they both did really well. Were they well. not thrown into the starting position in the rookie year? They, I wouldn't okay. say thrown, but they, they... They were thrown. They they, they were pressured into that, into that starting spot. But you know what? They took... They took it they on did. the chin and they ran they with did. it. They Both did. had amazing rookie seasons. But so the classic way that quarterbacks are developed is that they're drafted and then they have two or three years to be developed and mentored by a NFL veteran. I mean, you could throw the same thing with and with uh, Robert RG3, Andrew, uh, Andrew Luck, and Russell Wilson. I mean, they weren't... Russell Wilson and was not a first-round drafted quarterback, but he was thrown to the Wolves his rookie season. But all three of those guys are good cases of of picking up, drafting really well in the process. And I see where you're going. And, and I really, looking from the outside in, I do like this pick. One, and I'm looking at the stats for Drew Locke throughout his collegiate career. Lots of improvement from this guy. You you could really see from when he start, when he got the start on his in his freshman year compared to how he grew as a player all the way to his senior year. And I mean, his stats talk, speak for themselves. He, he started to improve. And now that you have him going under a guy like Joe Flacco, who's re, who he's going to be able to learn from, you know, and get, get that mentorship there. He's really going to be able to develop and be that guy that Denver wants. The stars but, are aligned perfectly for him. Yeah. Definitely. You know, he, he is, and I, I'm saying this, um, agree with you he is with and without a doubt the best situation a quarterback could be drafted into coming into his rookie season because i'm telling you if, if he was to be a starter this year i would be worried i would be yeah if denver did not get joe flacco and they ended up going with drew lock and throwing him into that starting spot i would be very very worried for him i don't think he would survive well it would be one of those situations he, he, he doesn't have much backup on that offense he has very little support in that's terms where of you would offensive have, efficiency if he you would have a lot of yeah. pressure on his shoulders yeah, well, yeah, and if you were to throw him to the wolves right away, that's where you would have to build your whole your whole draft class would have to be built around this one player in sure. the process. At least, at least, but, well, yeah, for the future. and obviously, we Denver Denver didn't go with that route. They didn't. Denver had the best draft, I think, out of anybody, or at least and they, they had, had one of the best drafts. They had one I, of the best. I, I can I can think of a couple other teams who did really good and interesting, but. Um, 
No, well, they got Fant and they got Dalton Reisner. Those two picks before Drew Locke solidified how good this offense will be when they yeah. eventually get Drew Locke in yeah. under center. Joe Flacco right now, he has the range for the next two to three years. He can yeah. he can keep situation. I'm not saying that Denver is a playoff team. By the way, their Super Bowl odds are like, what, 60 to 1 or something like that in order it, to it, win and go, the, and go to the Super Bowl. It's not one of the best. It's right yeah. there. It is exactly right there with the Oakland Raiders. So that tells you how Denver is projected to do this year. But you know what? Let's start at the bottom, and let's work our way to the top. John Elway, great draft class, sir. Next thing to do is sign Chris Harris. When we come back, we will keep this discussion rolling specifically under Daniel Jones. Is he getting treated unfairly by the city who picked him up? Matt Kennedy, Jared Peralta, Barda. My reason why is community. My reason why is leadership. My reason why is to inspire others. Why do thousands of teenagers here in Colorado participate in high school sports and activities? My reason why is friendship. Their reasons are as diverse as the students themselves. But the one thing they all share is the opportunity to have fun and learn important life lessons. Lessons like supporting their community, learning how to be a leader, and building lifelong friendships. My reason why is defying expectations. Is there a grade school or middle school student in your family? Then encourage them to participate in a sport or activity when they go to high school. My reason why is to make a change in the world. This message presented by the NFHS and the Colorado High School Activities Association. Honey, isn't it amazing? What? The, the sacrifice, the dedication, the grit. I mean, they really set an example, don't they? Oh, well, no question. Today's high school athletes are truly special. Not the athletes. Woohoo. The officials. Oh. Today's student athletes are truly special. But there's something pretty great about the men and women who officiate their games, too. Like the way they're giving back to their communities. Officiating is a terrific way to stay in shape, meet new people, and stay connected to the game you love. But the biggest reason of all? We need more qualified high school officials here in Colorado. And without them, the rest of us would have a whole lot less to cheer about. High school games need officials. High school sports need you. Yeah. Interested in becoming a licensed high school official? Go to highschoolofficials.com to learn more and begin the application process. KMSA 91.3 FM, Grand Junction. Listen live to all your Maverick sports here on KMSA 91.3 FM. Your voice for Maverick Athletics. Matt Carmardo, Matt Kennedy, Jared Peralta, 4.33 p.m. Mountain West time, getting into the second half of Wired Up today. So we started a little bit because I want to make sure we're getting all this video stuff going on. Follow us on YouTube. It's going to be Wired Up KMSA on YouTube.com. Same thing with our new Twitter account and our recently revived Instagram account. And go and follow us. Also, give us a ratings, a review on iTunes, Wired Up Podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcast. So... Let's get right back into it. The NFL, which is 
not, I'm not, I was going to say like my lover, but that's how I feel about that's it. That's pretty much, yeah. Basically how we feel about it. That's how you feel about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love the NFL, but I'm not, I'm not as in love with it as you are. Really? I do like to pay attention to other sports. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, so do I, but I'm just saying in terms of, if I could spend any time watching the rest of sporting investment life. If I, if, if it were my choice, lacrosse would probably be my number one. You know why I love the NFL? Because of situations like this? We get moments like this. Controversial and funny. With the sixth pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the New York Giants select Daniel Jones, quarterback. So they do love a quarterback, and it's the kid from Duke. By NFL Network. Uh, That was their coverage of the NFL Draft when Daniel Jones, look at that look on his face, man. Does he look happy? He looks I'm terrified. Not terrified. She looks terrified. You heard the boos from the New York crowd. You I, heard the boos from the NFL drafts, even in Nashville. It was so. Even in Nashville. <laughs> this pick shocked the nation. I was, okay. I was shocked when I saw this, first of all. I, I was on my way to the, the premiere of Avengers, and I saw this pick, and I was like, really? It threw me for a loop. But the funniest thing I saw afterwards was the video of MetLife Stadium, because MetLife Stadium had like a viewing for the NFL draft yeah. and the moment he got picked and I really wanted to find this for clips of the week, but the video just would not play was you could just hear everybody that's in MetLife just all go. No. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, here's where we are because we're on the back end of this chaos draft was a week ago. Daniel Jones was taken a week ago in Nashville by the New York giants at number six, the quarterback from Duke has received a hell and firestorm Ever since his name got called by Roger Goodell this year in the draft for the number six pick by the New York Giants. Let me get this straight. Let me make this clear right away. This is how I feel. This was not a bad pick for the Giants in this draft. And I put bad in all caps in my notes. Yeah, you you want to emphasize that. Emphasis bad. on this was not a bad pick. They yeah. saw their guy, believed it was their guy, so they took him. But that is also, this shows, this shows how high of a priority Jones must be to this team if Dave Gettleman is wanting to choose to take Jones over Dwayne Haskins. They also have him as a, as a high priority if they want him at the number six instead of waiting to get him at number 17. And Dave Gettleman was so sure that two other teams would have taken Daniel Jones before they would have gone to that pick. By the way, that is not factual at all. One of those teams is the Denver Broncos, and Denver Broncos weren't even, were not even thinking about taking Daniel Jones at number 10. Instead, they traded away their number 10 pick because they were confident they would have gone to quarterback in the second round, and they got lucky with getting Drew Locke. Yeah, Drew... Okay, I'm going to say this now. I'm surprised Drew Locke didn't go in the first round. I, I mean, b- big... Pro- good props to to Denver for throwing their cards on the table saying, you know what, we're going to wait this one out. Daniel Jones... Uh, okay, it's not a bad pick. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. The on Giants that. needed a quarterback. Daniel Jones is a good quarterback, but yes. they took him, Jerry, at the wrong place at the wrong time. Number exact- six in the draft, Jerry, they passed. They passed on guys like Josh Allen. They passed on guys like Ed Oliver, and they passed on guys, excuse me, they passed on guys like Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins. Oh, gosh. The, 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 and Jake Brown. Li- linebacker from, from LSU. Oh, um, 
I know who you're talking about, and I'm not going to remember his name. So Devin Bush. Thank there you. you. Jeez Louise. Devin, Devin Bush. Bush. Excuse me. You pass on three of those guys. You pass on three of those guys. And then you pass on Dwayne Askins, which is crazy, which is crazy. But you know what? Dave Gettleman and the New York Giants, they wanted Daniel Jones. Fine. You got your guy. But the fact that they drafted him at number six is just absolute madness. All right, the I, Giants did not draft well. They did not draft well. Giants fans are vocal <laughs> about that. But Jerry, the point of the discussion, we understand it is common knowledge that Dave Gettleman and the Giants did not draft well this year. All right, let's no. just let's just come to consensus on that. We agree on that. Yeah. And okay. I, and I've been, and I was Go talking ahead. to you. I was I've been reading like a lot of the draft grades for from ESPN, uh, CBS Sports, NFL, and all that. And so to. My knowledge, we all—all—it's a fan consensus. The Giants did not draft well. A professional, uh, from a professional sports and and analysis standpoint, the Giants drafted okay. But okay, but I'm with you. Daniel Jones is not a number six first round draft pick. I'm sorry, he his numbers for last season where he put up he was. He was 60% complete. He had a 60% completion uh-huh. rate, 26, over 2,600 yards, uh-huh. 22 touchdowns, nine interceptions, uh-huh. which was really better from his previous season, but I won't get into that. It's still, though, he only played 11 of those games for Duke. And I just can't – I don't get why he was drafted so high. I understand the Giants, you want to make sure you get your guy. You want to make sure you you can secure that. And I'm right there with you. Daniel Jones was not on any really any other team's radar. And even if he was, I don't think he was a priority for a lot of those teams. If he was going to get picked up by somebody, it was they were going to wait on him. Jerry, uh, Daniel Jones was not a bad quarterback. He was not a bad. Quarterback. He's, he's a good quarterback. Let me let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. You know what? This guy's overlooked. Daniel Jones should be taken within the first two rounds of the draft. Was it bad taking number six? No, he is not worth that pick. But let's say that this guy has been getting treated unfairly. This is a point of this entire discussion that I want to center on and I want to focus on. Daniel Jones has been getting treated unfairly by everybody else within New York and around the NFL. His expectations all of a sudden went from glorified backup to say, if you do not produce Hall of Fame status here, buddy, within your first rookie year, if you do not take us to a Super Bowl, then you're not worth it. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This guy is getting so much pressure right away. Experts are saying if Daniel Jones does not start within his first year as a New York Giant, New York and Daniel Jones are failures. That is what they are saying around the NFL. See, now that's- Experts and fans. Daniel Jones is being expected to put up Hall of Fame numbers and he hasn't even put on his his cleats. Let me let me say this. That that is really unfair. Main reason you expect this guy to get the starting job over Eli Manning, who the Giants traded away Odell Beckham Jr. instead of trading away Eli Manning, the a guy who the Giants are putting their faith in more often than not. Eli Manning is going to get the start. There is no way the Giants organization allow is going to start Daniel Jones this season. There's no way his first season he's going to get that start. He, if he sees the field, it's luck. There is Daniel okay. Jones does not get a start his rookie season. He does not 
I don't even see him pl- stepping onto the field his rookie season. And and for fans and NFL analysis to say he needs to put up that kind of numbers, they are they're not looking at the big picture of what this Giants organization has done in the past leading up to the draft. Daniel Jones is supposed to is in a situation like Drew Locke. He is supposed to be there to learn. He's going to be taken under Eli Manning's wing and he's going to eventually be that go-to guy the moment Eli Manning reti- retires or is traded away, but it's not going to happen for him especially considering who their who the Giants go-to guy is. Let it's just not going to happen. Let me get at this. Let me let me let me make this point. Let me make this point. Dwayne Haskins. Apparently he was the guy, right? He was the guy that everybody else wanted. He was the guy that should have been taken instead of Daniel Jones. Max he, Kellerman, a guy we we like to watch Steven, first takes, Stephen A. and Max Kellerman, Kellerman, and he was even saying that if the Giants don't take Dwayne Haskins, they're a bunch of idiots. Dwayne Haskins is a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. Let me get that. But yeah, let me say, also, if Dwayne was taken in the exact same spot, he was taken number six, are you telling me the expectations would be the same Are they that they're having with Daniel Jones right now? Daniel Jones is going to have to prove himself, but Dwayne Haskins wouldn't because of what he did at Ohio State. The former Buckeye is all of a sudden more prominent, therefore is given a green pass because he would have been taken over Daniel. I'm, uh, let, me, let me just get this straight. Okay. Dwayne Haskins is drafted number six by the New York Giants. People are happy. Each, people are happy. They love him. They're not going to come out and say, this guy must perform right away. They're telling me, this guy must start year one. This guy must put up Hall of Fame numbers. No. Expectations are different. All because Daniel Jones was not as prolific. He didn't get as much coverage. He wasn't as famous as Dwayne Haskins was. Daniel Jones, let me tell you, this guy is going to have a successful career as a New York Giant. He looks good in blue. He will look good in blue. He will take over Eli Manning. He played for Duke. Jerry, (laughs) Jerry, this kid is six foot five, 220 pounds. He's a stock of a man. Yeah. I was listening to... Will Kane and the head coach of Duke football was talking to Will Kane. He was saying that Daniel Jones football IQ is out of this world. He loves the game. He studies hard. All the inconsistencies that people tell about him, he didn't see as a head coach. And you know what? Daniel Jones, he had a heck of a career at Duke football, man. Duke football became really relevant in the last five years. And Daniel Jones played a big part in that. Mm -hmm. So just because a guy comes from the ACC, a lesser-known part of the ACC in Duke gets drafted before a Big Ten guy. Yep. You're telling me that he all of a sudden has to produce Hall of Fame numbers when the Big Ten guy doesn't? Dwayne Haskins may not even start this year at the Redskins. We don't even know that much. He's not named a starter from day one, but all of a sudden Daniel Jones has to be? So where are the fingers being pointed at? Take the fingers, stop pointing them at Daniel Jones, and point them right back at yourselves. Yes, the Giants drafted bad. Yes, Daniel Jones should not have been taken to number six. They should have waited till number 17. Therefore, they could have got a guy like Devin Bush, Ed Oliver, or even TJ Hawkinson to help out Daniel Jones in the next year. Now, you're stuck with him, listed as a number six draft pick, the first guy taken overall, the first quarterback taken overall in this year's draft. Sorry, the second quarterback overall. I keep forgetting about Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is just out of my head. Daniel Jones has been getting more coverage than Kyler Murray. Yeah, because that's the, insane. because the situation in da- that J- Daniel Jones is in, everybody, it's not even fans and analysis are looking to Daniel Jones to perform. They're looking to Daniel Jones to prove th- to prove that the organ that the Giants organization was right in picking him up 
as early as he was picked. The Giants organization is what's going to be looked at a failure. Yes, Daniel Jones is going to be tied to that failure, but it's it's all within the Giants organization. Fans are mad at the Giants organization, but they but they love the they love him too much to point the fingers at Gettleman, Dave Gettleman. So they're going to point the fingers at that pick, which who is Daniel Jones? They need so, they need a scapegoat pretty much. They don't want to face the music and and realize that you know, realize that their organization may not be the brightest in the NFL. We can't tell the future. We can't. But we can try and predict it. Daniel Jones will not be a starter year one with the Giants. He'll wait till maybe two or three years. Then then he'll take over the reins. Then we'll see if Dave Gettleman is an idiot or a genius. That is when we'll see. But for now, we can look at it and say that was not a good decision. Same situation with Drew Locke. Denver's going to wait a couple years to cash in that check. When we come back... NBA, Western Conference. What's the state of it? Nuggets, Warriors, Rockets, Trailblazers? Interesting case. Matt Kennedy, Joe Peralta. Right up. Hey, it's Brenna. I'm hosting a new show right here on KMSA, 91.3 FM. I'm calling it The Wasteland. And we're playing songs that will make it through the apocalypse. Here, there are no rules. Listen to The Wasteland, Wednesdays, 7 to 9 p.m. Listen to The Prism with a new time, Tuesdays at 3, and a new co-host, Clay. Hey, that's me. Go me. Yeah. I'm Skyler, and I'm the original host, and I play classic rock and 90s alternative. Clay, what kind of inferior music are you going to play on my show? Definitely some cool stuff. Cool. Listen to The Prism, Tuesdays at 3, on KMSA 91.3 FM Grand Junction. Finals week. Everything you haven't done all semester has brought you to now. This is not what you've prepared for your entire life. 15 cups of coffee, heavy metal blaring, 5 a.m. before your test and you're finally done studying. You are the master procrastinator. And when the test came, you fell asleep at your desk. Get a good night's sleep and beat procrastination. KMSA 91.3 FM, Grand Junction. Back here, Martin. I'm Matt Kennedy, Joe Peralta. Final 10, 15 minutes of the show here today. I know from KMSA, music for the Cognitive University Mavericks. I'm going to keep plugging every time we come back in. Follow us, baby! Follow us, baby, on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Now follow us on YouTube, Wired Up, KMSA. You subscribe on YouTube. You don't follow. Same thing. Gosh dang it. it. Excuse me for not getting my terms right. Yeah. We're tweeting, we're posting, and we are conversating. Let's get back (laughs) right into it. Jump ship from the NFL to the NBA. It is over in the series between the Rockets and the Warriors. Yeah. At least maybe it is. I say it is. Warriors are up 2 nothing over Houston after the most recent win, 115-109 to on Tuesday night as the Rockets were defeated by Kevin Durant, who scored 29 points and established an early defensive tone against Harden, who, by the way, got hit in the eyes. He went out early. Those able to return and finish with 29 points and seven rebounds. But you know what? Harden, 
and the Rockets being the crybabies that they have been. I thought the Warriors were it at the end of the season, but Houston, for some reason, has taken that away, especially in Game 1 and Game 2, because for some reason, I didn't realize that it was this big this year, but the three-point play, you take your three-pointer, you throw yourself into somebody, you get three free shots, because that's the way to play basketball now. Apparently, Steph Curry, James Harden, whoever you are, people are afraid of Steph Curry shoots from the three-point range. Therefore, they're going to try and get him. But James Harden... He will throw his body into a guy. Damian Lillard has been doing it a few times against Denver. Uh, excuse me. Come on. Against get the Nuggets get the in words game out. one and game <laughs> two. So, Houston. Gosh, man. They're, ESPN wrote an article saying that Houston is redefining the way that the NBA playoffs are played and officiated. Houston, yeah. Houston made 17 three-pointers, but they also missed 23 of them. <laughs> the difference in game two, the Warriors had Draymond Green. Draymond Green and his points in the paint. The Warriors had 42 points in the paint, while the Rockets had 36, in which made up the eventual six-point difference in the final score, 115 to 109. Houston is trying to blame the game on the officiating. Why? Because they are that guy on the court, Jerry. And I shared yeah. this with you yesterday yeah, because, you, yeah. you know, with good reason. Well, and before you play this, you, you know, going back to the article you brought up, the Rockets have d- have done extensive math go for that point all the way back to last year in Game 7 of the Western yeah, Conference yeah, yeah. Finals. Yeah, yeah. They concluded that with all the incorrect calls mm-hmm. and the non-calls, yep. it cost them 18 points. Yep. The I don't math. think that still would have been better for the Rockets going into Game 7. It, the Rockets at this point are trying to point the fingers – same situation. They're trying to find a way, a scapegoat here. The Rockets are not playing to the way, not have not been playing the way we have seen them play all season long, which is this uh-huh. case every single year. Uh-huh. They play super strong in the season. They are a team nobody wants to play going into the season. Uh-huh. Come playoffs, man, they turn into, I don't know. They, they turn into that guy on the playground or that guy, the Jim Will Kane on the Will Kane show earlier on yesterday said that the Houston Rockets are redefining the way that they are looked at in the playoffs. Will? Let's hear it. It's muted. Jerry, what's going on? I don't know, Matt. You what's had, going on? It says it's muted. Fine. Oh, you know what? Hey, it's muted on there. Give me one second. Will, run us back. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> according to the Rockets, the problem, according to this analysis, is not the 27 consecutive missed three-pointers, but it's the two that should have had fouls called on them. What is really at the core of the Rockets losing in Game 7, isn't going ice cold, but rather the referees. The Houston Rockets are the guy at the gym. They are the guy on the playground. They are the team constantly complaining to the referees. They have not just done it. They have institutionalized it. It's their competitive edge. They may win the conversation over the days following Game 1, but they will lose the war over who they are because nobody, I mean nobody, likes that team. The- Very true. Very true. Very true. Nobody wants to listen <laughs> to that. <laughs> your mic back in. I, well, I thought I pressed both of them at the same time. I guess not. Anyway, don't make they fun of me. They have institutionalized it, Jerry. Yep. Not the fact that they are just putting it as their identity, but they have institutionalized it. 
besides just doing it. Will Kane on the Will Kane Show made it clear they're that guy at the gym that nobody wants to play with. Why? Because they complain about the fouls despite the circumstances. Houston, you don't finish in the paint. You don't finish outside. You miss 23 three-pointers. Therefore, you have to rely on fouls and throwing yourselves into guys and then blaming the referees when they don't make the call because you didn't get your way. Yep. So, Houston, how is this going to be defined? My interest, personally, is leaning more towards the Houston, sorry, excuse me, the Portland Trailblazers and the Denver Nuggets. I don't want to talk about yeah. Houston anymore. I don't want to talk about them. I don't want to talk about it. Well, Let's- next game for Houston, mind you, the game two for the Houston, the Rockets and the Warriors was played on Tuesday. There is a three-day hiatus between game two and game three. Game three won't be played until Saturday. So a lot of time for Houston to try and regroup there and and try to f- find a way to win that isn't by circumstance. Anyway, yeah, going to the Nuggets and the Trailblazers. Game series tied one to one. Tomorrow, the Nuggets will travel to Portland to play the Trailblazers uh, at eight thirty. Game two for the Nuggets was just bad all around. Their shooting was not there. They just couldn't find ways to get the points up on the board. Nuggets ended up losing that game 97 to 90. They were down 15 at halftime and then down 17 going into the fourth quarter. Nikola Jokic only had 16 points, seven for 17 from the field. Two for four from the free throw line. Denver, as a whole, shot 20.7% beyond three-point. They shot 34.7 from the field. They had nine turnovers, even though they had 69 rebounds. Their offensive rebounding game was absolutely ridiculous. They had... 23 offensive rebounds to Portland having seven. But you know what? It didn't didn't matter in the end, though. Their big um, stat in terms of their second point opportunities, I believe they only converted... Oh, geez, please. I wish I had that stat put up. They, they only had 12 points put up in the second quarter. No, no, no. I'm talking about their their, sec, their second chance points, Jer. Second chance points? Second chance points. Uh, I don't believe that's pulled up on ESPN's uh, box stat. Well, unless I go with full team stats right here. Anyways, Denver did not convert on their second chance points like they should have, according to their how many offensive rebounds yeah. that they did get. They had 23 total offensive rebounds to Portland's seven. So... Denver won in terms of the boards, but they did not win in terms of the scoreboard. Nicole Jokic, like I said, did not have his best game. Jamal Murray did not have his best game. Torrey Craig ended up breaking his nose in the first quarter. But came still back play. with the mask on and then will eventually play later on in the game. And he will continue to be a factor within this series. Also, Damian Lillard struggled as well. But Denver, Denver, they did not play as well as they should have. They did not. But I, I'm still... I'm confident that Denver can win this series. My issue going it for going forward from this series though, and I was talking about this with some classmates of mine, that if the Nuggets wanted to have a chance in the Western final, let's say they win this and they go on to Western final and most likely play with the Warriors. You're speaking ahead. You're you're talking I'm speaking way, way ahead. ahead. I this is how confident I am in this team. But anyway, I brought up the fact that or I made the opinion that the Nuggets, if they win this series, they go on to the finals and they most likely will play the Warriors. I made the, I made the comment that the Nuggets would have had, would have had to sweep Portland to have that momentum for them going into Portland. Yes. You thought they were going to sweep the trailblazers. I, you know what? How often do you get a sweep in the Western conference semifinals? Never, but you know, (laughs) it's nice to dream. Okay. But that was my opinion because if you're the Nuggets, 
you're this young team. You would want as much as much confidence going in. The best way to do that is either you sweep them or you win in at least five. Sure, and Denver can still win in five. Yeah. But now the Trailblazers have they stole the home court advantage away going to Portland with a one-one series yeah. tie. But Jerry. This Nuggets team needed seven games to beat San Antonio within which the they, first round. Which I don't which I feel like they should have they should have played a lot better in San Antonio. But now this is now this is their toughest toughest challenge going forward because Portland obviously ups, beat OKC. They stole a win from Denver in Denver. And now Den- the Nuggets need to find a way to rebound and get a win in Portland. And they need to do it at least twice. To avoid going into a game seven yet again, like they did against the San Antonio Spurs, but they need to close this series as quickly as they can, so that way they can have a chance to upset the Warriors. But even if in that situation, it's still a tall order. Nuggets only had five players scoring double digits. Uh, Paul Millsap had 14 points. Nikola Jokic 16. Jamal Murray 15, and Gary Harris with 12. Game. Three will be tomorrow night in Portland. When we come back, we'll wrap it up with Clips of the Week. Matt Kennedy, Joe Pearl Tawarda. My reason why is community. My reason why is leadership. My reason why is to inspire others. Why do thousands of teenagers here in Colorado participate in high school sports and activities? My reason why is friendship. Their reasons are as diverse as the students themselves. But the one thing they all share is the opportunity to have fun and learn important life lessons. Lessons like supporting their community, learning how to be a leader, and building lifelong friendships. My reason why is defying expectations. Is there a grade school or middle school student in your family? Then encourage them to participate in a sport or activity when they go to high school. My reason why is to make a change in the world. This message presented by the NFHS and the Colorado High School Activities Association. Honey, isn't it amazing? What? The the sacrifice, the dedication, the grit. They really set an example, don't they? Oh, well, no question. Today's high school athletes are truly special. Not the athletes. The officials. Oh. Today's student athletes are truly special. But there's something pretty great about the men and women who officiate their games, too. Like the way they're giving back to their communities. Officiating is a terrific way to stay in shape, meet new people, and stay connected to the game you love. But the biggest reason of all? We need more qualified high school officials here in Colorado. And without them, the rest of us would have a whole lot less to cheer about. High school games need officials. High school sports need you. Interested in becoming a licensed high school official? Go to highschoolofficials.com to learn more and begin the application process. KMSA 91.3 FM, Grand Junction. Listen live to all your Maverick sports here on KMSA 91.3 FM. Your voice for Maverick Athletics. Minutes here on the show today, 5 1 p.m. over a time limit, but it's okay because we started late. Yeah. 
Thank you, Rock Cut Sports, for giving us our bumper music. Matt Kennedy, Jared Pearl, to Wired Up. And uh, we were trying to record all the segments of our show separately in video, but we ran out of storage space because we're simply you using... You ran out of storage space. I ran out of storage space. space. You, get, you get a 64 gig... Uh, SIM card for some reason, just an hour of footage. You need, yeah, you need, much. you need way more than sixty-four gigs. My bad. Yep, I'm not familiar with recording, but um, I'm only audio. I'm in the audio, an audio guy. We're, we're both what? audio guys. Both an audio guy, but you work for CME TV, so yeah. you have that more experience. Anyway, clips of the week. Bit. Let's wrap it up. I'm getting tired. Getting tired on the air today. But it, you know what? <laughs> you know, who, you know who's not tired. You know who's been picking it up. It's the Colorado Rockies, Denver. Denver, 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 14 and 6, no, 15 and 17 on the year. They recently beat the Milwaukee Brewers today, 11 to 6. Their bats have been exploding off of the horizon. And the man responsible, the man responsible for all this, at least most of it, has been Nolan himself. And this is simply Nolan being Nolan. Having trouble there? This ball crushed, deep left center field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. That's the kind of first inning the Rockies have been looking for. Well, whether it's Anderson or Jacob Barnes, that felt good to Nolan Arenado. You are trained in this sport to move on. This ball is launched again, deep left center field. Nolan has hit another. Somebody's heating up. With the Mayflowers. Nolan Arenado, two bombs today, or last night, excuse me, yesterday, against the Milwaukee Brewers in their win at Miller Park. Nolan, within the last seven days, 26 at-bats, six runs scored, eight hits, three doubles, and four homers. He's sitting at a 308 batting average in the last week on the series. He did pretty, pretty good. They split the series. So they split the series. all you could ask for. They split the, the series. That is all you can really ask. Denver's uh, four-series win streak comes to an end. But you know what? We were talking to Drew Creaseman last week, and he said if Denver can win one series and then not get swept for the other one, that is a win. So they are returning home to Colorado to face off in their first home series in a while. Yep. They face off against uh, not the Washington. Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks, excuse me. Yes. The Diamondbacks, no one's been picking it up, man. The guy who recently comes off of a huge contract, seven-year extension, has been performing the way he should be, the 28-year-old, and six-time Golden Glover definitely has been showing his stuff at the plate for Denver within the last couple of weeks. But, Jerry, you yep. picked this last clip to end the show. Yep. What are we listening to? Stephen A. Smith, guy who we love to play his clips all the time, very very insightful guy, uh, pretty much – Go, going back to our discussion discussion before the break, uh, the Warrior or the Rockets done. They can't. There's no way they can come back in this series. You think there's no way they can come back. Stephen A. Smith does not believe there is. You a, think they're dead in the water? He he said the only way they come back is if they have a her a Herculean performance from James Harden. Herculean performance. I want to. That's this. in the it's in the very beginning. I want to hear this myself. Yep. Stephen A. Smith earlier on today on first take. Warriors will be over in five games. Stephen A. Smith, why is that so? I don't see how Houston could come back for this because I think what's required is an absolutely Herculean effort from James Harden in ISO play. An ISO play against the Golden State Warriors is not going to get it done. And you need that kind of explosion from James Harden in order to win basketball games. And the very thing you need is the very thing that's not going to work against the two-time reigning defending NBA champions. As far as I'm concerned, this series appears to be over in five.
Over in five, he thinks that Houston will take one more game, but then the Rockets, not the Rockets, the Warriors are moving on to a Western Conference Finals. Yeah, and Max Kellerman goes on to say that, you know, the Houston's not pretty much arguing there that the Rockets have a chance, but I agree with Stephen A. Smith. The Rockets are done. They they may pick up a win in game three, but other than that, it would require too much it would require too big of a performance from one player for Houston to be able to get the job done for the Rockets. And I, I don't see them coming back from this. The Warriors just have too much going for them at this point. I'm simply paying attention to the Denver series. The Rockets, they're complaining and their lack of integrity as a team. Because, you know what, look at this. Look at this. Harden complains that he couldn't even see throughout the game. Yeah, you get hit in the eyes. I get yeah. it. Getting hit in the eyes is not fun. He was tough to come back in and finish the game, especially when he had 29 points. But you know what? Steph Curry, he dislocated his middle finger in the game in the first quarter. I didn't even hear about that because, I didn't even know about because that James either. Harden has just been drawing so much attention to himself, complaining all the time. Steph Curry freaking dislocated his finger, could have broken the thing, decided to come back in. He didn't play as well as he should have in that game, but they still won regardless. Yep. Steph Curry's a tough guy. Torrey Craig broke his face, still came back in with the mask, and finished the game. He's going to finish the series yep. and still be a dominant player. So yep. I'm sorry if you get poked in the eyes, you get some eye drops, ask some treatment, you come back in, you play just fine. Tear up a little bit, you're fine, James Harden. All right? I'm sorry. I've been in the face plenty of times. You get scratched on the eye. I've been scratched on the cornea and still finish the game. Yep. Okay? So for the Rockets, sure. I don't think you're going to take the series. I think it's going to end in six. Jerry's going to think it's going to end in five. I think five. If if the Warriors win tomorrow, four. I think if the Warriors win or win on yeah Saturday, actually, it'd be a satisfying sweep. Yeah, it'd be it'd be a sweep nonetheless. But yeah, if the, if the Warriors win on Saturday, it's a sweep. If the Rockets somehow manage to win, it ends in five. Join us next week. That's all we got today. Thursday, four p.m. Onward up. If you missed any of the show, go back and listen to it on SoundCloud or Apple Podcast at Wired Up Podcast. Go. Follow, subscribe to us, give us a review and a rating, and eventually follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WiredUpKMSA, as well as YouTube. You can go back and listen to any of these segments on those different platforms. As for today, that's all we got. Matt Kennedy, Joe Peralta on KMSA. We'll see you next week. See you soon.